Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Rise Up, episode number 175. Can you believe it? Can you believe we're already on our way to episode number 200? And I see episode number 2000 in our future. That's how great this show is. That's how great all of us here, fellow... uh, uh, having fellowship and, 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 and congregation here. Do you know there's that, um, there's that uh, Christian song that says, what if church on Sunday was church on Monday too? Or what about Tuesday? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Why don't we have church every day? Well, we do here. We do here on LFA TV. What if church on Sunday was the same as church on Monday too? And it is. I want to welcome you all here on this new week, August 28th, year of our Lord, 2023. I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope you had a God-filled weekend. I hope you accomplished much. Ashley says, Jeremy, Friday was my 36th birthday. 36 years old. And you didn't get a song? Well... We got to rectify that real quick. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ashley. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ashley. That was just for you. That was the best singing I got this morning. Yes, episode number 175. I'm so incredibly happy. Thank you, Logan. God bless you. Um, Oh, Majorva turned 64 on Sunday. Well, I'm not going to sing again, Majorva, but I will say I hope you had a happy birthday as well. Um, This weekend at church, yesterday, our pastor's gone for the week. He was gone for the weekend. He was giving... um, He was giving... um, sermons in New York. And so we had one of our elders do the, the reading yesterday, do the scriptures yesterday and, and, and teach us and read to us. And, and, uh, you know, what I find amazing is how do I want to say this? Um, I don't want to like, it's not like the news here. I don't want to say we were doing it first, but I will say that we are so in tune with God here on rise up that now I find myself here with the direction of God and the Holy Spirit talking about verses and breaking them down, and then a week or two later, our church does it. Now, I can understand a message, right? Because there's a very similar message throughout the Bible. From Old Testament to New Testament, you could take a story from pretty much any book and you could apply a lot of the same messages to it. But I'm talking about verses, like specific verses, they're not popular verses that people just choose from, like John 3.16. I'm talking about getting deep into things like Timothy and Ezekiel and all of that. Now, I got to tell you a story before we start out today, okay? All right? Yesterday, my daughter, Olivia, has been struggling with a decision that, she wants to, that she's been trying to make. And she said she's been praying about it. Well, yesterday before church, I was moving my truck out of the driveway so we could take out our family vehicle that we can all fit in. And as I was moving my truck, I I parked my truck alongside the road by our house. And as I'm backing out of the driveway and pulling up to to the sidewalk, God is screaming to me, Ezekiel 7, 16. And I don't know why. And I got out of the truck and I said, hey, you girls got, because the girls were waiting to go to church, so they had their Bibles with them. I said, you girls got your Bibles with you, right? They said, yeah. I said, can you open up the verse uh, Ezekiel 7, 16 and tell me what it says? Because I had no idea what it said. Funny thing about it is, is that I thought God was telling me for me. He wasn't. He was telling me for my daughter. So when I told my daughter this verse, she went and read this verse and then started reading the verses before and after it. And she goes, that verse was for me this morning. And I said, oh yeah, why? 
And she goes, because I, I was praying to God last night, asking him to help me make a decision. And this verse helped me make my decision. I know what I need to do now. So never, ever, ever, ever. Or no, it wasn't, se- excuse me. It wasn't 716. It was 176. I'm sorry. I know somebody put it in the, in the chat. I meant a verse, Ezekiel 17.6. I'm sorry. I didn't mean 7.16. I meant 17.6. So sometimes when God is trying to tell you something through a verse, maybe just maybe it's not meant for you so much, but meant for you to spread the gospel because it might be meant for somebody else. So we went to church yesterday and our morning message was about Basically, finding the treasures and trials. Have we not been talking about that lately? And I know there's a lot of question around finding joy during hard times. A lot of people say, well, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to find joy when my car breaks down? How am I supposed to find joy when I can't pay my bills? After all, what that sounds like when you're saying that to somebody who's not a believer or maybe starting their journey with Jesus and, and, and still trying to learn what that sounds like to somebody is that when you say or when you find out that your car's broke down and it needs $1,000 worth of repairs and you don't have the money, you're not supposed to go, yay, awesome, my car's broke down and now I got to find $1,000, this is awesome. That's not what we're talking about here. You're not supposed to be like, whoopee, yay, hooray, I can't pay my bills this month. That is awesome. There's so much joy in that. That's not what we're saying. Hardships are hardships. Trials are trials. You're not supposed to be like, oh, this is awesome. I can't wait to not pay my bills. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is finding the lesson, finding the joy in the lesson that you can be that you can learn through the trial. Now again, God doesn't put you in that trial. God doesn't bring those trials to you to overcome because he's not a tempter and he would never do that. What he does is he gives you the resources, the ability and the word and the instruction and the guideline and the GPS on not only how to get out of it, but how to navigate on your way out to grab as much as you can to learn from that, to become steadfast the next time something happens. You use those trials as a teacher. That's finding joy in your trials. So that was what our message was about in church yesterday. Just a beautiful message. And again, God giving me the Ezekiel 17.6 to give to my daughter who clearly, clearly helped her uh, in her decision that she made. Is that not a call for an amen? Is that not a call for an amen? I think it is. Now, as we are approaching 1,200 people, let's finally get to our Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name, let's go to our Father God. And let's give him thanks for those trials but also understanding in today's message, which is, what is the armor of God? Let's do this now. In Jesus' name, we come to you, O Father God in heaven, humbly bowing before you and giving you thanksgiving for the grace and the mercy that is available to us as children of God. A very special reserved place in the hierarchy of God all the way down to us is a special, repla- special place that is titled a child of God. And for that, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that you can help us find joy in these troubled times, that we can find the spirit of peace during these trials that we go through every single day. And Lord, during these times, we must understand what the armor of God is We must understand how each piece of that armor works and we must adopt the full armor of God if we are going to get through these trials unscathed but strengthened to be steadfast in all of our ways. 
Lord, please use me as a vessel today to spread this message, to spread the gospel, not gossip, to the people who willingly join in, seeking you. In Jesus' name, we pray this today. And we all say, Amen. I can remember being so afraid to pray out loud. I can remember being so afraid to pray on camera to all of you. Back in the day, before Will Johnson showed me the way on a live video, almost, well, seven years ago in October. Seven years ago, Will Johnson, who's come full circle and is now on LFA TV with me. He's the one who showed me the way to pray. And ever since then, I have been, I've become so strong in my prayer, so understanding in what I am praying for and what I am asking and what I am talking about to God, so aware of the conversation that I'm having that now I am so strong in my prayer, I look for opportunities to pray in public. How about you? I look for opportunities to pray in public so people can hear me. So they can be like, what is he doing? And I've got a great story to tell you before we get started today about just that. God is working. What's that song? God is on the move, on the move. Hallelujah. God is on the move. He's on the move, let me tell you. Okay, Sherry, we'll be on the lookout for it. God bless you. We'll look for it. Thank you. Now, after church yesterday, my so there's two kinds of people that that you find after church, right? And you all know what I'm talking about. There are the people that are doing what they're there to do, and that is fellowship with other Christians, and that want to stay an hour after church and talk to everybody. Now, you would think that would be me. Because I like to talk. It's actually my wife. I'm the one. I mingle for a little bit. Say my highs. Give my hugs. Say my hallelujahs. Pray with a couple people. And then I bounce. I'm ready to roll. I got things to do. Not to say that church isn't important. But there are two kinds of people. My wife wants to stay for an hour. Jeremy wants to leave after about 15 minutes after church services are done. God bless my wife. So yesterday, while my wife was talking for an hour after church, (laughs) I was outside playing on the playground with my children, doing the teeter-totter, which I haven't done in 30 years, climbing on the monkey bars and swinging on the swings like a child, because that's Jeremy, right? I guess we all play a different part. Um... So my wife was talking with one of our close friends and our, our family members in church. And uh, she was talking about, you know, school starting back up, children in sports, you know, children in church and, you know, how they're doing and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, mom stuff. And during this mom stuff conversation, our friend's daughter plays soccer for one of the public schools in the area. Not the public school right here in our town, but a public school that's like 45 minutes away. Okay? So, during her daughter's soccer game at this public school, and and this is where God, this is where God moves. Ready? Here we go. During this soccer game last week on Thursday I think it was the team wanted to say a prayer before the game but they're not a Christian school but they didn't know how to say it and they knew that this girl I'm not going to say her name for safety reasons right because there's a lot of crazy people out there this girl who they know is a Christian who they know goes to church asked her if she would pray for the team before their game And she said, well, what kind of prayer do you want me to 
to, to say. And they said, we don't know. We just know that you go to church. So whatever prayer you say for us would be great. This is a public school system. So she got to lead the soccer team in prayer. Then, after that, the coach asked the team after the game, is this something that you guys want to do before every practice and every game moving forward? And get this, the team unanimously voted yes in a public school system. So after singing praises to God and saying hallelujah and amen, I looked at my wife and I said, that'll be shut down next week. She said, what do you mean? I said, you wait till the school board finds out about that. Wait till the principal finds out about that. That'll be shut down in a week. And then my wife kind of gave me a look of how dare you not understand the power of God and that God is on the move. And I thought about that for a minute. And I said, okay, the people want it, the kids want to do it. The coach wants to do it. They felt great doing it. Is God not strong enough to overpower a school board? Of course he is. Is God not strong enough to overpower or override a principal? Of course he is. How incredibly naive, how, how wrong was I for thinking that this wasn't an act of God to begin with and that if, if, if it was an act of God to begin with, then who's a school board or a principal to overpower, overrule, or over, you know, overrule God? That's not going to happen. It was an act of God to begin with. I felt so incredibly joyful when I heard that story yesterday. And you're right, Kittenhead. Enjoy the little wins. You are right. You are right. Chab says, God told Julie Green that children would be the ones to bring him back into the schools. When did it, when he, she did that this morning? Was that a, is that a show she did this morning? Because if that's true, oh, my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta, are we on the move? Did that happen today? Can you let me know? Because if that's the case... There's definitely God on the move from the schools. Your wife was right. CQ, isn't that always the case? (laughs) Seven years younger than me, far wiser. The seeds are being planted in the youth. That is amazing, but so is our God. Amen. Praise the Lord, said Let's Go Lugo. Uh, you were actually in my dream this weekend, Let's Go Lugo. We were building something, I think a stage or something. I think we were building a stage to do a show, maybe spread the gospel. I don't know what the dream was really about, but you were there helping us build. How amazing is that? Maybe I got a glimpse of the future. Maybe I got a glimpse of the future. No, it was a while ago. If I see, I can find, I'll send it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Well, whether it was a while ago or whether it was now, we don't live, God does not live in the same timeline as we do. School board can't do anything if the kids voluntarily want to do this. That is true, redneck. That is true. Jeremy, you and Julie Green really seem to contact and connect in so many ways. I've never even spoken to her. I've never watched more than five minutes of her show. But I know enough about her to know that she's clearly a sister in Christ. Clearly a sister in Christ. All right. Let's get into it. What is the armor of God? Now, you guys know in my song, Armor of God, I talk about Ephesians 6.11 got me focused on the cross. Because what is Ephesians 6.11? Well, Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's Ephesians 6.11. And that's why I say 
in the song, Ephesians 6.11, got me focused on the cross. But that's not really... the. If you want to know about the full armor of God, you need to read Ephesians 6.10 through 20. Ephesians 6.10 all the way through 6.20. That tells you what you need to know about the armor of God. But I'm going to take it deeper in this show today. Because a lot of you know about the armor of God. You've heard me sing about the armor of God. You may have learned about the armor of God in church. But the Bible really doesn't dig in deep the way I'm going to today about each armor, each piece of armor, and what it really does. So we're going to talk about that today. I got the armor of God on. I'll never take it off. Ephesians 6.11 got me focused on the cross. Jeremy, her team said she would love to come on Rise Up. I sent you the link in Telegram to send her a request. Her team said, go to the site, send her a request. She'd love to come on. Thank you, Kalia. I'll do that. I'll do that. So why don't we go in and read the verse of the day today? And then we'll get into each piece of the armor of God. Then we'll get into some books, watch a couple videos, call it a day. Okay? Verse of the day today. So powerful. Verse of the day today, obviously, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, talking about what is the armor of God. Let's get into it. Starting with verse 10, the whole armor of God. Let's read all the verses, then we'll get to my explanation, then we'll dig deeper. Finally, my brethren, this is verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the prayer of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Who is the rulers of the darkness of this age? You think it's just devil? It's the devil and the people he uses to usher in his era, just like God uses people to usher in his era. But we know God wins. So when you're fighting against these principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this age, it could very well be men and women as well. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Spiritual hosts against wickedness in the heavenly places. Pretty, that's, a, that's a very powerful verse to chew on. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That means being ready at all times, being weary and watchful at all times as what the devil's planning to do for you and to you. I should say, to and against you, not for you. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may be open, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That is telling you to spread the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, not gossip. It's saying, open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Is that not praying out loud in public? That's exactly what that's referring to. And then it says to end, for which I am an ambassador. 
in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Thank you, Kalia. Can you put that same link in the comment section below? Because this will end. The live section will end after we're done. So put it in the comment section below. Now, I'm going to read you what I wrote about this, and then we're going to get in to the metaphor of each piece of the armor of God. Here's what I wrote. You see, each piece represents another area in your life in which the devil will try to attack and or exploit. Each piece of armor will not only defend you from the evil one and all his demons and plots against you, but also will act as an offensive resource for you to go after him for a change. Who likes the thought of that? Raise your hand if you like the thought of being on offense against the devil rather than being on defense against the devil. I'm an offensive kind of guy. The devil isn't used to people attacking him. And when you do, he runs like a cowardly dog with his tail between his legs. He only has the power that you give him. And the armor of God robs him of any satisfaction to take you down. You should know each one of these pieces of armor intimately and take care not to have one damaged. The power to withstand the devil's attacks and his temptations, because remember, God doesn't tempt. He only protects and provides. Comes from God so the armor cannot be pierced. However, if you lose even an ounce of faith in God or turn away from the path that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have you on, the armor becomes weak and ultimately ineffective. You need the source of the armor's power to be connected at all times. Don't let that power source be interrupted. And if you can do that, and you can not only fight on your behalf, but also on the behalf of others who are weaker with no armor. Put on the full armor of God today. Be a warrior for God and watch the world around you change for the better in Jesus' name. So the armor has many pieces. Each piece is perfectly crafted and designed for you to not only have a defense against the devil, but also to go on the offense against the devil. As long as this, these pieces of your armor are connected to God, then you are invincible. The minute you decide to go off of that path, that GPS path that, the G, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit has you on, your armor starts to lose that source of its power and starts to weaken. And as the armor weakens, you become susceptible. And as you become susceptible, you can be completely taken over. Now, let's get into each piece of the armor of God. And explain to you the metaphor in which it represents. Because not only is the armor of God a metaphor, but it's also a very real thing. You may not have to see it because you can't see the spirits that you're fighting. You can see the results of the spirits that you're fighting. But just like the spirits are invisible to your naked eye, so is the armor. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist in reality. Because it does. The metaphor is also a reality. Only with God can this exist. Let's break it down. Please do not forget to share this video and rumble. Just give it a thumbs up, okay? Now, 
the armor of God, all of it, in its, totali- in its totality, is a metaphor, but also a reality, for the spiritual defenses that we need in our spiritual battles. Is everybody with me up to that point? Okay. The belt of truth. What does this represent? The belt of truth represents honesty and integrity. Pretty simple. Honesty and integrity. So when we're breaking down verses of the Bible, and when we're breaking down trying to understand the gospel, you need to understand the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, the why's, and the how's. To ask yourself all those questions. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. When you're trying to understand a Bible verse or scripture. You have to put it all into perspective. So. Honesty and integrity. Who? Well, that means you. Who are you supposed to be honest with? Everyone. When are you supposed to show integrity and truth? All the time. All the time. That means even when nobody sees, because God sees, and you know, and the Holy Spirit knows. Why? Why have truth? Why have honesty and integrity? Because those are signs of God. And instead of just talking godly, you can show that you are godly. And that means that everybody, nobody will have a reason not to believe you. And everybody will know you're serious. How? Tell the truth all the time, no matter what. Even if it hurts. See what I'm saying? The who, what, when, where, why, and hows? You have to really break this stuff down. To know To hold yourself accountable. Because if you break any one of those, what you are really doing is you are weakening your armor. So the belt of truth represents honesty and integrity. Breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is your metaphor, but your reality as well. Remember, go back to the beginning of what we just talked about. But it stands for moral purity Moral purity. And an upright way of living. So if you have honesty and integrity, you are showing moral purity. What is moral purity? Moral purity means that you are operating on God's moral compass. WWJD. What would Jesus do in this situation? I'm faced with it. I'm faced with a decision here. I'm faced with a scenario. I'm faced with a situation. What do I need to do? Which decision is the right decision? The decision of the moral purity. The decision of what Jesus would have chosen to do. Even if it's hard for you to do. That's the metaphor. Moral purity, upright living. So you've got the belt of truth and you've got the breastplate of righteousness that basically tells you to live godly. Live godly. Now let's go to the shoes of peace. The shoes, I should say, of the gospel of peace. What do they represent metaphorically? Well, they signify your readiness and your willingness and your courage to spread the good news of Jesus. It's that simple. Every day here on Rise Up, I hashtag spread the gospel, not gossip. The shoes of the gospel of peace means you are ready to go. When Jesus comes and says, drop everything, pick up your stuff, and follow me, you're ready to go. And you're ready to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus Christ spread when he was here in his ministry for three years. That's what you're to do, and your readiness to do so. So you've got now the belt of truth, which is always standing for honesty and integrity, so that you can be godlike. You've got the breastplate of righteousness that is moral purity and shows upright living and guards your heart 
guards your Holy Spirit that lives in your, that dwells in your heart from any kind of evil. And then you've got the shoes of the gospel of peace that signify your readiness to get out there and spread the good news of Jesus. Amen? Now let's move on to the shield of faith. The shield of faith empowers you. It's basically trust imposed that God's promises will protect you and extinguish the fiery arrows, all attacks from the evil one. Now, again, the devil can't make you do anything. You know, you always hear those people say, the devil made me do it, or they blame God. Why did God do this to me? First of all, God doesn't do anything bad to you, and the devil doesn't make you do anything. Those are two misconceptions that people have. God doesn't do anything bad to you ever, or never tempts you ever, And the devil can't make you do anything. The devil can only tempt you to do what? What you want. That's that's what people really need to understand here. Oh, the devil's in my life making me do this. No, he's not. The devil's in your life tempting you with your heart's desires. So if you're doing something wrong over and over and over again, devil isn't making you do that. You're doing that. Because it's what you want to do. Because it's in your heart. You need to purify that heart. You need to put on that breastplate of righteousness and get out that bad so that no bad can get in. So let's, let's knock down that misconception that God tempts you and does something to you and that the devil makes you do anything. No, he doesn't. He never does that. The devil doesn't have that much power. You have free will. God gave that to you. In his image, you have the will to withstand that Stay, stay, stay steadfast in the Lord and rebuke the devil. Moving on. The sword of spirit. What is the sword of spirit? Well, actually, before we get to the sword of spirit, because that's your, that's your big offensive weapon right there. Let's get to the helmet of salvation. So we've gone through the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, to block, the, the, block all of those temptations of the devil, right? The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation symbolizes the assurance of salvation, the promise from God of salvation for you and protects your mind from doubt. If you're not wearing that helmet... The devil will be able to put doubt in your mind. Doubt of God's promises. Doubt of God's guidance. Must wear that helmet. At all times, guard your mind from any kind of doubt or weakness. Or thoughts of depression or loneliness. You know all those thoughts that you get in your head? That you, your, your thoughts get the best of you? That's not your thoughts getting the best of you. That's a devil telling you you're no good. And you're listening because you don't have your helmet on. And the last but, very, but not least. Sword of spirit. What is the sword of spirit? The sword of spirit is the word of God. The sword of spirit is your ultimate weapon against the devil and against evil people who are possessed. The sword of spirit is our offensive weapon in this spiritual warfare that we're in. So ladies and gentlemen, again, metaphors, but not really. (laughs) Very real. Very real. Now, J.L. Jazz says my helmet has some dents in it. Take it back to the blacksmith and get it fixed. Who's your blacksmith? Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus is your blacksmith. When your armor feels like it's dented, like you've gone off that path and it's becoming weak, get back on the path, take the armor to the ultimate blacksmith, which is Jesus, let him fix it up, and get back out on the battlefield. Courage is contagious. Amen?
I'm going to put my headphones on because I got a video to show you. You're right, Katie. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. The armor of God. Conservative says, I just need to do some welding on mine. Well, you can't. Jesus has to. You can't. Jesus has to. He's the, old, he's, the, he's the only blacksmith that can fix what's wrong. Now, I came across this. Uh, uh, you know, I watch a lot of, um, a lot of videos with um, um, Ray Comfort. And I watch a lot of bit videos with uh, Mr. Netchel, who, is the, uh, who goes to the college, colleges and the dorms and, and, and spreads the, the word of God uh, to the students there. Cliff Netchel, I believe. I think his first name is Cliff. I want you to watch this. Now, this kid's, this kid's you know, he's, he's not being, like, rude or, 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 or difficult. He's just saying, look, I am a person uh, that needs proof and evidence, and I need to see proof and evidence of God to believe in God. And I think Cliff's answer back to him is absolutely incredible. Roll it. For me to be satisfied, I need to have... I know you don't like the word proof, but beyond reasonable doubt evidence to support a claim like two plus two equals four that's what i mean that's exactly what i mean right every scenario we've never had a case where two plus two equals five okay good can't even fathom it do you need that kind of evidence before you can make a decision uh you know you start talking about error tolerances and you know what is good enough for me to believe it yeah i mean then you'll never get married it's gotta be (laughs) (laughs) you can't go to sleep tonight if you have a roommate because there is no way that you have two plus two equals four type of certainty that that roommate's not going to stick a knife in your back as you lie asleep on your bed. You can't drive a car because you do not have two plus two equals four type of certainty that the guy coming towards the red light when you go through and it's green is going to stop. You don't know he's not going to run that red light send you to an early grave. You guys are making a fundamental mistake. You're thinking that in order to know something, you have to have such a preponderance of evidence, basically proof, in order to believe it. You can't live that way. Now, you better not be a gullible fool and just blindly trust. So if you're going to push this inerrancy issue and laugh at Christians who believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God, knowing full well that there are thousands of manuscripts and thousands of manuscript variations, come on, buddy, you're playing a silly game. You can't live your life that way. It doesn't work. You can't live your life that way. It doesn't work. And do you notice when it comes to Christianity, it is the only thing that people say they need 100% proof of? They don't need proof that when they get in their car, they're not going to die. They don't need proof that, that when they get into a plane that they're not going to crash. They have faith in the pilot. They have faith in the roads. They have faith in the road signs. They have faith in the stoplights. They have faith in other drivers. They have faith in the car won't malfunction. They have faith in their GPS, which is man-made. They have faith in... You have to have faith every day of your life just to get through the day without going insane. But you can't have faith in the God that created the universe? Are you absolutely crazy? Can you imagine that kind of a life? Can you imagine being, needing to be so sure of everything that you don't even leave your home? Because that is what it's, that's what they're saying. That's what everybody who says, I, you know, I would believe if I had proof. I, I, I don't need faith. I just need proof. Hmm. So Cliff uh, actually answered that perfectly. He's like, you can't live like that. Like, I like the way he doesn't even try to sugarcoat. He's just like, you can't live like that. Truly incredible. Truly incredible. Very impactful, too. I love the way people go to, like, get out there in the public and do this. Like, that to me... They don't need the big, expensive, massive mega churches. They don't need the pulpit. They don't need donations. They don't need people. They go out there and they spread the gospel in the places where they're going to get the most pushback. That, that is the shoes of the gospel of peace. That is wearing the full armor of God. Because you could be shot dead just out there spreading the gospel. Quantity said it right. You want proof? Look in the Bible. You want proof? Go to the Bible. There's your proof. K 
Kittenhead said, Jeremy, I can tell you went to church yesterday. You seem happy. Isn't that odd? Isn't that weird that you can tell that? Because I haven't been to church in four weeks up until last week. Four weeks I'd not been to church. And you can tell. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? It's like a glow, right? That breath you just took is proof, said, oh, wretched man. Woo! Woo! It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, Lord. Right? You know, we didn't even get into the books today. We had so much subject material. We didn't even need to get into the devotionals today because we were talking about how to protect yourself. So ladies and gentlemen, I think it's only fitting that we end today's show titled The Armor of God with a song. And then I'll come back to close out. You've seen it before. It never gets old. Onward, Christian soldier, you wear the armor of God now, you wear the armor of God now, onward, Christian soldier, you wear the armor of God now, come on sing it with me folks. Say to get it off your chest Get on your knees and just confess Get on your knees and just be blessed Hit them with these and you'll beat that test But I'm bad at tests and I like to sin 16 years old I was high to begin 30 years old I was crying within Man why did I always try to fit in Thinking of things that might come next Thinking of drinking drugs and sex Thinking about all my regrets Thinking of these absurd requests To my wife and kids that are on the phone They've been feeling all alone They've been waiting day and night For the minute that daddy come rolling home And I thought I could do it all by myself Nope Thought I could do it without God's help Nope Thought I could do it from the minute I was in it But I didn't even know there was anybody else That felt the same way just like me Help was on the way, you'll see J-E-S-U-S was coming and he came in the name of G-O-D watching over you through all your darkest days So I could bring you to the light Let you know that it was me My God, you were so, so far from saved I remember every time that you cursed my name That J-E-S-U-S You praises the name that lets you know that you are saved now Yes, you are saved now Change is here to stay now. I brought you through that house of pain. I strengthened you through suffering. I raised you up, up on your knees, and I pulled you out from the devil. No, you never knew, never knew, never knew I was here for you. Never knew I was beside you. Every single second of every day. Come on. Every single step along the way. Watching you suffer and kill me. Till you got down upon your Ask for me to enter your life That was when I showed you my light As long as you keep me on I'll never mislead you, just trust me Say this armor of God is not heavy Come on! Say this armor of God is not heavy Christian Take it off. Ephesians 6:11 got me focused on the cross. If it wasn't for the sacrifice, we would all be lost. I will ride with King Jesus because he chose to pay that cost. I will ride.
Now, a couple things about that song that you may not know. The light that was just showing to you at the end when I was walking out of the church, uh, pop this up on the screen, that was actual light. That was not edited. That was not computer animated. That was not added in post. That was the actual sunlight that was outside of the church. And when we opened the doors, that is what we saw. Also, another little Easter egg in that video is right here. Right here, you'll see a number. Now, that number on the screen, if you watch the video, is actually a Christian hotline for people who are thinking about suicide. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining with me today on Rise Up for this Armor of God special. Please make sure that uh, you stay in the fight. The fight continues with Sean Farish coming up next. I love each and every one of you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Please rumble this video on your way out. Share this video on your way out. And I will see you at 11 o'clock for Live from America. God bless you guys. Have a good one. They say to get it off your chest. Get on your knees and just confess. Get on your knees and just be blessed. Hit them with these and you'll beat that test. But I'm bad at tests and I like to sin. 16 years old, I was high to begin. 30 years old, I was crying within. Man, why did I always try to fit in? Thinking of things that might come next. Thinking of drinking drugs and sex. Thinking about all my regrets. Thinking of these absurd requests to my wife and kids that are on the phone. They've been